Welcome back to The Stripe, the world's first and only podcast dedicated to the face-off position. I'm your host, Greg Gorenlian, and I'm excited to give you weekly updates, predictions, and behind-the-scenes breakdowns of the PLL's face-off athletes. This episode features Water Dogs face-off tandem of Drew Simino and Jake Withers. Drew is a former pro all-star and shared time with Connor Farrell on the Chrome last season. Jake Withers is the reigning NLL specialist of the year, leading the indoor league with a 78 face-off percentage, is now joining the Water Dogs for his first go at the PLL. My first guest up today is Jake Withers, a two-time collegiate All-American, an NLL rookie sensation who now dominates the face-off stripe in the indoor game. I've known Jake for years, helping him as a coach, slugging it out with him on the international stage, and now as a colleague with the Faceoff Academy, where he has become an incredible coach of the position. Jake, thanks a lot for joining me at the Stripe. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, you know, it's a big honor. I've, I've been following along closely with the episodes, um, and, you know, I was kind of anticipating being on here. So, you know, thanks a lot for having me. I'm looking forward to having a good conversation with you. Yeah, and I just remember that when you got the call, from Coach Copeland, you were all jacked up, ready to join the PLL. What go? What went into that thought process as soon as you got that message? Where was your mind at? Um, you know, I think it was a pretty easy decision, honestly. Um, you know, you know, kind of being on the outside looking in uh, last season and, and and seeing what the, the PLL was putting together. You know, the broadcast and and you know, uh, you know, the rosters and everything. You know, it was just something that I, I really wanted to be a part of. So. Um, you know, especially with how, how my NLL season ended this year with, with the COVID situation. Um, you know, I was thinking to myself, if, if I got the opportunity with, you know, expansion or, you know, just even one of the original six teams, then, you know, it'd be kind of a no-brainer. You know, I, I'd definitely be regretting it if I said no to that. So, uh, you know, the PLL has, has, you know, the best players in the world and the best face-off athletes in the world. And, um, you know, I really think I'm entering my prime in my career right now. And it's something that, you know, I definitely want to, want to test the waters and see how I kind of match up against each guy. So, you know, when, when coach Copeland gave me the call, um, you know, to be completely honest, I was a little nervous, but at the same time, you know, it was, it was a good challenge. So, you know, having conversations with, you know, I think I even called you and a few other coaches in the, in the face Academy and my old man. And, you know, they, they also agreed with me that it was a no brainer. So something that I'm looking forward to now, you know, six days down the road here and, you know, hopefully we can uh, bring a championship out of the, the PLL Island. Yeah, I was ecstatic for you when you called me about this because you absolutely belong in this league. And like I tell everyone, the PLL has the best face-off athletes in the world. And Jake Withers is 100% one of those guys. Not only an, an indoor monster, but an, an international player now, Team Canada's face-off man. And Jake, if you don't know Jake, go back, enjoy yourself, go on YouTube and watch some of his college highlights. Jake is a dynamic ground ball hawk. And not only do you have the ability to scoop the GBs, but I think with the PLL having a smaller field, 10 yards cut out of the middle of the field, the wings closer, your ability to scoop loose balls after the, the whistle, your ability to counter guys is so great. And your ability to work with your wings, I just felt like the PLL correlated so well to your game. And people who haven't seen Jake play, insanely dynamic and athletic. So, when you look at the PLL rules, and for those who don't know the difference uh, between the PLL rules and the NCA rules, go to episode zero where we break it all down for you. Jake, when you look at the PLL rules, how do they fit your game? Um, well, I mean, right off the bat, you know, a smaller field, um, you know, I, I, I love that, you know, it could be in any league. So, you know, less less distance that I have to travel to the, to the net, the better, right? So it's <laughs> funny that you bring this up because – you know, right when I got picked up, Trevor reached out when we were, you know, just kind of 
shooting some text back and forth, uh, having a conversation. And, and he's like, man, like just wait till, you know, you, you can, you nail that first one forward and, you know, you're picking up the ball next thing you know, you look up and you're almost in the crease. He's like, it's amazing. So, um, you know, I, like I said, the, the, the least amount of distance I need to travel before I can either a, hammer the ball on the net or p- pass off to one of my attack when I love, um, you know, at the same time, you know, not even me, like the faceoff unit that I think we're, we're going to assemble here and, you know, with Drew as well. Um, I think we're almost maybe the most dynamic, you know, unit in the, in the entire country, right. Or in the entire tournament, sorry. Um, you know, with, with Zach, who's, you know, one of my best friends, one of the guys that I grew up playing with when I was seven, you know, I, I, we, we started lacrosse in the same age, worked away from the C, C team up to the A team. And now we're playing on the biggest stage, uh, in, in Utah. So, um, you know, I think we're going to really work well together. It's been a few years since we played field together, but, you know, having him and some other long poles like Brody and, and, uh, and Ryland Reese, some, some other Canadians who I'm familiar with and have played on the international stage. And then, you know, like to, to couple that with the shorter field, um, you know, I think it's it's really going to show, you know, kind of our box background, how we're going to be able to goose balls in certain areas and, and kind of, you know, be on the same page, make little plays here and there that, you know, it's going to really give us an advantage in, the, um, you know, the the transition game. So, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, I've never played on, on the field length like this. So, you know, going into training camp, it's going to be kind of something that's fluid and, and, and a work in progress. But I think it's going to be, you know, a lot more more fun than uh, than the typical, you know, college or um, you know, international size field. Yeah. And it was interesting. We were in a production meeting when the water dogs picked you up and you were added. And I raised some eyebrows in our production meeting. Cause I was like, we are not making enough of a big deal about Jake Withers. I was like, this is a massive pickup, not just for the water dogs, but for the league. You look at, you know, when people look at an expansion team and they're like, okay, well, this, these guys have to like get to get to know each other a little bit more. They have to create rapport and chemistry. Yo, this is Team Canada's face-off unit, everyone. That's <laughs> crazy. Okay, you have Jake as a face-off guy. You have Brody Merrill and you have Zach Courier. I dealt with these guys on the international stage. It is no picnic. So you're yeah. taking guys who are used to be playing together at literally the highest level, and you're just saying, okay, well, now here's a shorter field. Have some fun. And you guys are going to have some fun. And we made some jokes in the in previous episodes. You guys have, like, the best wing guy off of, like, four different teams in addition to what you have with, with Brody and with Zach Courier, who, you know, is arguably probably the best wing guy on the planet. So mm-hmm. when you got this call, which one of those guys called you first? <laughs> Well, it's funny you said, um, you know, Zach was in my ear even before I knew the call was coming. Right. So, you know, I think him being one of my good buddies and living, you know, 15 minutes down the road, he was, you know, kind of in, in coach Copeland's ear, like, yeah, we, you know, if we need another guy, you know, let's pick this guy up. So, um, you know, before I even got the call, I was kind of expecting it. Um, and you know, I was, I was more than thrilled to, to obviously take the opportunity. So, um, you know, even just to kind of see the excitement in Zach and, and um, you know, being able to suit up again with Brody and even Ryland Reese. Like, that's that's a, a kind of a young guy who, who played on the world stage as well. He's kind of, you know, untested. It, it, he just got drafted uh, to the PLL as well. I think he was in, you know, the other league last summer. But um, he's a great player, real dynamic player, you know, obviously a box background from out west. So, you know, the list just goes on and on um, with, with, with the, the roster that Coach Copeland assembled. And, you know, you know, being on Zoom calls, I've obviously never met him in real life yet, but just being on the Zoom calls with him over, you know, the, the last four Thursdays, he's a very, um, you know, everything he does is very calculated, it seems like. So I think he really took a deep, hard look 
when it came to the faceoff X, uh, along with obviously the offense, defense, whatever else we needed. But, um, you know, especially the faceoff X in between the lines, um, taking into account that shorter field. And I think he kind of checked all the boxes he wanted to. So um, he seems like a, a real good guy and a guy that, you know, kind of puts you out there, puts the right people around you and then says, you know what, go to work, go to have fun. So I'm looking really forward to that and, and to be able to do it with a few guys that I've played with on the international stages is even better. Yeah, Coach Copeland was such an on-brand pickup for the PLL. Just a you know, a really smart, educated lacrosse coach, a guy who guys love playing for. I was so pumped when uh, he became the coach, and I think he has amassed a roster that is ready to compete for a championship right away, which is so cool to be part of. And you guys have sweet purple helmets. And I mean, what else could you possibly want? You're going to look real good in purple. Yeah. The, uh, so I know you're biased. I know you're biased, Greg, but with the Redwoods, but we gotta have the best uniforms, no? Like, come on. <laughs> I'm not gonna get myself in trouble by making oh, any geez. picks on helmets, but I will say you guys have quite the look. Uh, <laughs> so, real quick, so so listeners understand what we're talking about when we talk about Jake Withers. Indoor statistics: uh, 2018 was your rookie year, 67 percent for the Rochester Nighthawks. 2019, you went up almost 10 percent at 75 percent. Then last year for Halifax, you were at 78% in a season that was cut a little short. 78%. If you're facing off against a microwave, that's still impressive. Okay? <laughs> he got better every single year, and 78% is insane. Now you're also the Team Canadian, uh, Team Canada face-off man. Your NCA stats jump off the page. Your senior year, you're at 65%. You're fourth in Division One. You, you finished your career as Ohio State's face-off uh, and all-time leader in ground balls leader. 2017, uh, you were second-team All-American right behind Trevor, actually, at the time. And you're a two-time Big Ten Specialist of the Year, which is uh, no easy task as the Big Ten is loaded with face-off guys year in and year out. You were actually a Wharton Top 25 nominee in 2017. So we are talking about accolades on top of accolades. What do you feel like is your – what, what kind of skill set do you feel personally sets you aside from the other guys in the league right now? What do you feel like you do best? Um, to be honest, like I get this question a lot um, and I feel like it's, you know, you know, my Canadian background. So, you know, just kind of to give you a little background on me or like kind of how I got to where I, the position I was at, at school there, you know, growing up, um, you know, it was always lacrosse in the summers, hockey's in the winters, right? So, you know, you're always tr- playing different sports here and there. You don't really focus on one or the other. And then, um, you know, kind of started to specialize a little bit more in lacrosse, you know, maybe doing a few training sessions here um, through the winter. But, um, you know, just being a lacrosse player. So, you know, the reason I kind of got into facing off in the first place was, um, you know, usually maybe, you know, the most athletic guy or a more athletic guy than some of the other guys on the team who was a midfielder would just hop in and take it because he had to, right? So that's kind of how I got, you know, started with it. Um, you know, I, I was half decent at it. And then, you know, as I went through my recruiting process, late recruit to Ohio State. And once I got to Ohio State, I was, you know, kind of picked up. I don't know if, if Coach Myers will will agree with this, but as a two-way midi, at least in my brain. Um, and then once I got there, you know, they, they had kind of a hold at the, the X. So they threw me in there. Um, you know, I, I was half decent. I... I struggled my first years. If I'm being completely honest with you, Greg, I, I didn't really, you know, give it the my entire effort being that Canadian kid who just kind of strapped it up, went out and played all the time. I didn't really have that mindset that, you know, I, I really appreciate, you know, going down to a school in the States and kind of learning that hard work and getting in the gym and stuff. What I really kind of focused in on my last two years. Um, so my first years, I kind of struggled. And then finally, 
you know, Coach Kester, you know, you know, Jameson very well. He you know, just got a job at, at Hopkins and it's very well deserved. He was kind of my saving grace. So, you know, we battled it out a lot. He's a great guy, but, you know, he, he told me, you know, stuck it to me how it is and made sure that I worked my bag off all the time. So, um, you know, we adopted your, your, the FOA, um, you know, textbook back then. I think it was fairly new maybe at that time or, you know, just kind of getting out on the main stage there. And I went down to knee and, you know, the rest was history. You know, I, I started giving it in the gym and, um, you know, like I always say to a lot of my athletes, so, you know, I, I'm not the, the, you know, the, the type of player, the type of face-off athlete that's going to win 70 to 80% of their clamps, right? I, I'm the guy that will, you know, grind it out. Hopefully, you know, on a good day, I'll win 50% of the clamps, you know, make sure my exits are clean, make, make my, uh, make my, my wins or the, the gimmies, you know, as clean as possible. And then, you know, I'll battle for hopefully another 15 to 20%, you know, in a ground baller, getting my wing guys involved and making sure we're all on the same page. So there's a lot more. And I know, you know, you probably had pretty in-depth conversations with the other, uh, you know, five or six teams that you've had on so far, but it's not all about winning clamps till the sun goes down, right? Like you can win hundred percent of the clamps, but if you know, you're not, you're not clean with your, your exits or, you know, your wing guys aren't on the same page, you can't pick up a ground ball. You're, you're, you're useless. Like you're test too early. You might as well throw a microwave in there. So um, that, that's really the biggest key to me is that I think, you know, I was a lacrosse player first who kind of, you know, adopted facing off and got good at, at that to kind of make my, my game that much, you know, that much better to be able to compliment myself or be able to help my team in that aspect. So that's a big thing that, that, you know, um, I really preach to my athletes and something that I really, really appreciated about, you know, the face off Academy and what, what you guys are really preaching, you know, when I joined it in was that, you know, first and foremost, be a good lacrosse player, um, you know, and at the same time, um, you know, you know, practice your craft of, of, of facing off and being able to get your team more possessions, but make sure first and foremost, you can, you know, you can play the game and you understand the game. So, yeah, that's really, you know, kind of what what, it, what I think is my greatest attribute is that I was a Canadian-born player first and I was a lacrosse player before I was a face-off athlete. Yeah, I love that. And you gave some homage to Coach Nick Myers, who is known in the lacrosse world for turning kids into men. And that's oh, yeah. certainly something he, he specializes in, not just at Ohio State, but, uh, you know, Team USA U19 head coach winning a gold medal with them as well and then Jamison Coaster is one of the best face-off coaches on earth and I remember making the trip out to Columbus talking with him uh, and coach Myers about you in particular and you know saying you know will the guys you have on the roster adapt to this system and they had no hesitation saying Jake will do whatever we need him to do and you know I learned everything I needed to know about you that spring watching you completely change everything you did to then adopt this system with no questions asked. And you went out and you torched people that, that year. And that was just cool to watch. And I always say like when I'm helping, you know, this on, on our FOA staff and we're trying to help our kids with recruiting, the thing we always try to tell coaches when we're trying to tell them about a recruit is his coachability and, mm -hmm. his and you had a massively high ceiling and you had the coachability to listen and do it. And now you're one of the best face-off guys on earth, which is just awesome. And you're right. Being a Canadian-born player makes you unique. You're, you're better in tight spaces. You're better off the ground with ground balls. You're better at countering and not worrying about the clamp as much as you are about winning the face-off, which makes you – you know, I talked about this with our last episode with Joe Nardella. Joe Nardella – would say, you know, can I sit there and, and let my ego take over and just end up losing the clamp with my face in the ground? Or can I bail and just make it as tough as I can on the second layer, which is the exit for a face-off man? Now, people at home, just so you know, 
in the faceoff by rule uh, at all levels right now. When you clamp and the official deems that you have the clamp, and that means that you have now controlled the ball in between the sidewalls, you get one step to exit. So a lot of players, myself, Jake, Joan Ardella, Trevor Baptiste, we like to bail on the clamp when we think we don't have it and immediately step in front of our opponent. And we call it going belly to helmet, where you get your stomach in front of your opponent's helmet. And now saying, basically, it's your move, Chief. You have one step to exit and we're going to destroy your exit once you do that where some guys will stay in there forever, and then when your opponent pulls the ball out, you're completely out of position. And Jake does this in spades. I know from experience. You made it really tough on me when we played Team Canada. It was a nightmare. So when you look at what you've accomplished now and you look at your plan, you're going to be playing aside Drew Simino, who's a former professional all-star and a technician at this position, and his style is very, very similar to yours and mine. What are you looking forward to? Have you spoke to Drew already? Have you guys come up with plans because you have an advantage of two face-off guys against teams that only have one? What were kind of, what were some of the discussions like? So we, we've had a you know a, just a team-wide you know kind of discussions here and there last like over the past couple Thursdays. Um, you know I don't want to give away too much, but um, I haven't spoke to Drew personally. I actually just got his number from from Coach Copeland a few days ago, so I'm. I've been thinking obviously about it my, myself and I know Zach as well. So I'm hoping to get a call with Drew, Drew here, but I, you know, I have the most respect in the world for Drew. I mean, I bowed against him my rookie year in, in, uh, you know, right out of college. Um, and you know, he's an unbelievable faceoff athlete. You know, he's very fast, um, you know, very scrappy, you know, upstate guy, which I love, you know what I mean? And just, he's the guy that will give it 110% every single time it goes out there. So, um, you know, it's a guy that I, I'm very, very excited to, to suit up beside, um, and be able to game plan for certain guys and, you know, hopefully make guys' lives a living hell. Um, and, you know, I, I listened to Stephen Kelly, you know, and him, him and Fowler and how he said, you know, I got, I want guys to, you know, when, when they're coming to face us and after they're done facing us, they're like, damn, like I'm beat up. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I've had a long day with these guys. That's something that I hope, you know, I, to go out and be able to do with, uh, with Drew. So, you know, that's an awesome mindset. I've never really thought of it that way, but that is how I want to, you know, kind of approach this with Drew. And, um, you know, like I said, I don't want to give away too much of, of our, you know, game plan, but Drew's very, very good knee down. And, you know, he's a very, very, very fast and, and strong clamper, right? So, um, you know, I'm kind of known more for being a little versatile. So, you know, I'm going to kind of approach this, um, you know, the, the PLL Island and the championship um, with kind of versatility on my mind and, you know, seeing what I can do to hopefully get in guys' heads and make it a chess match. So, you know, when Drew can come in, he can, you know, hit him with an uppercut and I'll come back in, you know, maybe throw a few jabs here and there, you know, and make it, make it a box and match every single game. So um, I'm looking forward to that, but, you know, just to kind of touch on, like you're saying earlier, how, you know, a lot of young faceoff guys can get stubborn and, and sit there and hold the clamp till, you know, their, their, their helmets buried in the, in the ground. It, it's funny that you say it like that, because, you know, it's something that I really try and explain that to my young athletes. And even when I think about the faceoff myself is, you know, you got to try and, you know, kind of, form this savviness where you know when to stay in the fight and when to kind of cut your losses and, 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 you know, kind of swallow your pride and put yourself in a position where now you can, you know, make a play on that kind of second part of the face off. Right. So, um, you know, I just kind of like the way that you touched on it there, Greg, and it's something that I really, really try and hammer away on guys. And I feel like that's a big part of why I'm as successful as I am. Um, it's just that savviness and that's how I call it, you know, just kind of the savviness of these young face off athletes, you know, kind of, kind of, um, kind of form as they as they you know kind of go through the ranks and work their way up to the the college and pro level and if you do watch a lot of the guys like I love watching Joey Nardella and he's a great guy and a great friend and somebody that I really look up to 
and love battling against. And he's, he's a guy that um, has, you know, that savviness and, and, and can really, you know, know when to stay in the fight, when to get out. So yeah, I'm glad you touched on that. Yeah. And just to touch on a few points, when we talk to our kids that are learning to face off and coaching, and when they look at a recruiting standpoint, we always tell them, no coach goes down and looks at your stats and says, oh, he's eight for 10, but I wonder how he did it. No, they want a guy yeah. who's eight for 10. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So well, I don't care if you stand up on the whistle and never try to clamp. If you're going eight for 10, that's eight possessions for a coach, and that's what he wants. And then on the other side of it, like you said, making guys feel like they've been in a war. And I always used to say this when I was playing, you know, if you're going to win the game, I want you to, to be relieved it's over. I don't want you to be excited about the game. I want you to be so tired that you don't even care if you won or not. You're just glad you don't have to see me anymore. And I can tell, I can say from experience, that's how I feel when I faced off against Jake for sure is you feel like you've been playing for weeks. And, you know, I think that this model of playing in a sprint format for the championship series playing every other day fits you really well, especially as a, as a world games guy. When you look at the international time slot now, the Olympic time slot NBC is giving us, what has crept into your mind as far as playing on this kind of stage? Well, first and foremost, obviously it's going to be amazing. Um, but, you know, secondly, looking at the big picture, like the exposure that this is going to do for the cross, you know, and the game in general is, you know, there's nothing like there's nothing like this has ever been done before right like even you look at the world games like yeah maybe a few you know they have a a few eyeballs on it what was it on lack sports Center? but nothing like you know the exposure that nbc is going to give it so um you know I, i'm just you know honored and you know feel a little privileged to be able to be you know compete and and have this many eyeballs on us um and you know it'd be nothing better than to you know have all my loved ones and friends and family back here in Peterborough be able to watch you on NBC, you know, hoist that PLL trophy. So I'm um, looking forward to that. And, and, you know, hopefully maybe get a, get a mic in my helmet for a game or two. I know I, I had a few chuckles watching Trevor last year with that. So, you know, the, the unique stuff that they throw into the, the whole broadcast and, you know, the whole game day stuff that goes into it all is, is, is pretty cool. It's like no other league in the country or in the world, uh, lacrosse based at all. Um, even be, even across all platforms, like there's not many sports you see that has that kind of exposure to their players, especially when they're about to take a you know a face off or just scored a goal, right? So, yeah. very unique and very you know very cool and very intriguing. You know that my 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 dad's hooked. Um, you know a lot of other people are looking forward to seeing me play out there. So, um, to be able to do it on on the under the PLL and under you know I think the best broadcast in all of lacrosse is is uh, I'm just honored. So you heard it here. Jake Withers hoisting a trophy this summer in a Water Dogs jersey, NBC. Get your popcorn ready. Yes. I love yeah. it. Hey, Jake, man, this was awesome. I, I'm really pumped to talk to you. I'm excited about what you're going to be doing this July. So I wish you the best of luck, and thanks a lot for joining me on the Stripe, man. No, no problem. Thanks for having me. My second guest today is Dr. Drew Simino. Drew is a prototypical elite face-off man, low center of gravity, athleticism, and fantastic hand speed. Although Drew is a technician, we cannot overlook his blue collar and hard-nosed style of play. With a year under his belt, Drew now has a fresh start with the newest PLL franchise, the Water Dogs. Drew, thanks for meeting me at the strike. Hey, Greg. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm super excited that there's a podcast dedicated to face-off guys. Like you've been saying over the past few episodes, I think it's awesome that, you know, we can delve a little bit deeper into, you know, the statistics behind things and um, really be able to, um, you know, 
to delve into the nuances of the, the position. And I think what's going on here is awesome. So I appreciate you for having me. Thanks, man. Yeah, we're really excited too. And I think you're actually a perfect person to provide context and nuance for. You are a former all-star professional lacrosse player. You have an insane technical ability to this position. You have, I mean, you're the the perfect package for a professional style face-off man. What we want to do is go through the stats, but first, just so people get a little bit of an idea of who you are and what your deal is. First off, what do you have a doctorate in? Uh, I got my doctorate in physical therapy. So uh, under behind my name, it's Drew Simino, DPT, PT, DPT. So doctor of physical therapy. Yes. And so that's more than just a nickname. The man is an actual doctor and he gives himself therapy in between face-offs. It's quite impressive. So when we are looking at your 2019 season, tell us a little bit about what your experience was like playing in the PLL last year. I mean, I think, you know, if you look at it as a whole, I mean, I, I think you can go across the board, not only to myself and just the face-off guys, but I mean, you just go from top down from goalies to attackmen. And I think everyone kind of feels the same way that, the, the league in and of itself was has done a phenomenal job, um, you know, and I can definitely say that for sure. I think the Premier Lacrosse League has just done an exceptional job at, at making the lacrosse game exciting again, you know, rather than just kind of the same old show every every weekend. I think that it, it provides a lot different of a feel. Um, and then going into just the face-off position in and of itself, I just think that it's made it much more exciting uh, things are a lot faster as far as, you know, getting the ball out, you know, it's not too much of a grind as far as, you know, what we experienced in the past. I mean, obviously it's games are still tough, but, you know, I think technique wise, as far as what the refs have to do, it's a lot more precise, I think, you know, and that just enhances the whole overall position and just the flow of the game in general. So I think they've done a fantastic job. Yeah. I was telling people that from top to bottom, like you said, you can tell that the PLL was created by lacrosse players. The little things like the travel, the pay, the attention to detail of where we're staying, where the stadiums are at, the venues we're playing at, the the fanfare before and after games, and along with the social media presence. And then the face-off rules are really awesome. You know, the ball's lined up higher. There's 10 yards out of the middle of the field. And what I really liked, not just as a face-off guy, but as a lacrosse fan, is the fact that as soon as you cross midfield in the PLL, you're a scoring threat. Whereas in any other level, it's like, okay, they're going to spin the ball around a little bit and get kind of settled. But there's a 52-second shot clock, and as you've experienced it on fast breaks, when you pop that ball out, you're about three steps away from having to make a decision. So it was definitely a high brand of lacrosse, and I personally thought that it was the most fun I've ever had playing professional lacrosse. I, I, I'm sure you would agree on that. Yeah, absolutely. And as you can speak to, uh, I think it was, what week did we play? Week week five when you torched me out the front like three times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, no, so people understand. Yeah. Drew and I went head to head last summer and this is what I kind of wanted to talk about because what made Drew so special last year and anybody who's ever faced off, who's listening right now understands. And if you haven't faced off, you need to understand something. Faceoffs are so much more than what you think they are when you watch on screen. A lot of people are like, oh, whistle readiness and quick hands and blah, blah, blah. But it's so much about feeling the flow of the game, being in the zone, having confidence, being in sync, not just with your own wings and your own team, but also with the officials and the rhythm of what they're all doing. And Drew played without all of that. Drew would take like the first four or five face-offs of a game. Connor Farrell would come in and they would alternate. And Connor would be in, at least when we played, Connor played, you know, the majority of the first 
and second quarters. And then you came back in the second half, totally cold, completely out of the game, and you smoked me for like three in a row. And people have to understand how incredibly hard that is to do because I was warm. I had played a whole half. I was ready to go, and Drew came right in. And you did that all season consistently. And we're going to get into that with these statistics. Um, During your experience with the Chrome last year, playing alongside Connor Farrell, give us a little bit of insight into how things were going in camp and then how things were were working themselves out on the field for you and and the challenges that involved. Um, I, I knew that we picked him up kind of late, like right before camp. Um, and so I just knew I, I had a little bit more, um, you know, I had to be a little bit more ready as far as that goes, you know, obviously with college kids coming right out and they're practicing, you know, five, six days a week. So they're getting the reps. So, you know, every time we pick up a college kid in the pros, I always get a little bit nervous or hesitant be like, all right, I really got to be on my game. Cause I knew we had myself and Fowler. And then we added him. I just knew, you know, even just based on his statistics a little bit, giving him a once over that obviously he knew a little bit of something about faceoffs. Um, uh, and then as far as training camp goes, you know, uh, being a rookie myself, I really didn't have, you know, too much guidance onto what was going on. So, um, I kind of look back on that. And so, you know, I tried to make it welcoming, you know, obviously there is a competitive aspect of things, you know, in training camp, but, you know, obviously try to keep it light. Um, just tried to be welcoming to them and, um, just get reps in when we could during practice, you know, obviously sometimes face-off guys aren't getting in, you know, the six v six all the time. So, um, took reps there and, and, you know, got a feel for them. And I thought I did better in training camp. And then when see when the first game rolled around, did okay. And then after that kind of just snowballed, uh, downhill for me. Um, personally, I'm used to, I mean, if you look at me in college, you know, all my four years, and then even in the pros, once I took over the starting job in Rochester, um, you know, I pretty much took almost every face off and including the last year in 2018, I was the only guy uh, in the other league that did not have somebody take a single face off to substitute for him. So, um, you know, I went from, like you said, just having a, a good feel for the game, you know, I'd have my ups and downs, but I always knew I'd bounce back to now, as opposed to having that chance to go right back out there, the next face off to, well, now I have to wait until either Connor goes early or until he does poorly enough to where now I have to go in or, you know, vice versa. Um, Cause Starja was pretty much putting us in as he saw fit. So that was just a lot different of a change for me. And it took me a while to adjust to that. Um, you know, and then when we played you guys, I kind of just went out there on the second half saying, okay, this is what I did wrong. And I had to focus more so on what I needed to correct on myself. And I think that's one thing I, I did a fairly decent job at. So, um, so yeah, that's pretty much a big adjustment. I would say would be the toughest thing I had to deal with. Yeah. And I have to say you handled it completely like a pro. You were really professional about it. You did a really good job of coming in and doing your thing. When you look at your season in 2019 and your preparation for getting ready for a season. I know that first training camp, you alluded to it. We were all kind of down there figuring this out, right? We've never played lacrosse at like this style. We've never faced off with this style and these rules. The officials were trying to figure out, we were trying to figure out, the coaches trying to figure out with one year under your belt now and going into a sprint model format where we're doing a championship series, two and a half weeks of face off, uh, face-offs and games every other day. What are you looking forward to now that you have a year under your belt? Um, Obviously it's completely different style, like you mentioned. So now as opposed to, 
having training camp, having a little bit more time to kind of adapt to the rules. I know the rules. So now it's a matter of uh, just getting acclimated to my wing play basically. And then obviously having the addition of Jake come on the team is, is huge. Um, you know, I think also having that year under my belt where I had Farrell on the sidelines with me, I think it's also going to be big for me to kind of adapt a little bit faster. So getting in a rhythm with Jake, establishing a game plan with Jake, depending on our matchups, then also making sure that we are aware of our wing play. Cause I haven't played, I think I played with Zach in one, uh, in one all-star game. And so other than that, I haven't really played with a lot of the guys. So just understanding their tendencies and them understanding mine is going to be crucial as far as faceoffs go. So I think, uh, that being condensed into a smaller period of time is, is going to be big. So the faster we can kind of hit the ground running and kind of all get on the same page, you know, the better off we'll be. So that's, that's the, definitely the biggest difference. And then obviously the, the game style, obviously we're playing, I think Sunday, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday, the Sunday to Tuesday game isn't too much of a concern for me, but the Friday, Saturday games with the back to back, I think we play TK, uh, and then we have the Chrome. So obviously those are two big matchups that um, that we're going to have to be ready for. So, um, you know, we're definitely going to have to bounce off each other a little bit more um, you know, precisely as opposed to kind of just like waiting for someone to mess up. I think going out there with a specific game plan or when someone gets hot, keep them out there sort of thing and, uh, you know, kind of do our, our thing. So it's it's going to be different. You know, obviously we haven't really had that too, too much in the pros. So uh, a lot different of a look. Yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head. And I talk to high school club, college coaches all the time about creating conformity and roles on your face-off unit in-game because you're right. And, you know, parents who are listening to this, current face-off guys, we both understand the challenge of that where you're used to being the top dog, you're used to taking all the reps. And what starts to happen over time is you almost sit there and that 1% in the back of your mind is like, yeah, I hope we win, but I kind of hope this guy starts to lose so I can get my shot. And, you know, as a professional with experience for you right now, I don't think that's something Copeland's going to have to worry about. It's pretty cool that you actually get two guys in this sprint format, similar to a world games with a guy who's played in the worlds in Jake, who totally understands rotation. And I think you guys will, will have a really good one, two punch. Let's look at the stats and let's tell this story here so we can get some insight. Last year, you were at 44% overall, 37% against starters uh, as a faceoff guy, but what I was, ta- I was talking about earlier, you were 52% on your clamp percentage and 47% against starters. And that means that you were prepared on the whistle. You were ready to go. Even if you were out for a quarter or two, you would come in and you still had that cadence down. What were you doing in between reps, in between quarters to try to make sure you were as prepared as possible to be ready to do that? Um, I think the biggest thing is just kind of understanding each ref's tendencies. I'll oftentimes just kind of look at how many steps the ref takes back. You know, obviously there is a little bit of a difference between, you know, the audio of the ref blowing the whistle. And then by the time it reaches the sideline, there's a little difference. So, but obviously I try to look at uh, when I hear the whistle and how many steps back they've taken. So that's probably the biggest thing. Um, And then the other thing is uh, I, I'm not a huge, like in between reps during quarters take, clamps kind of guy that's just never been my style i just think it it wastes a lot of energy especially you're you're kind of like constantly like staying up right and i think it's important to kind of have those ebbs and flows in the game where you know you want to kind of establish like a little bit of a you know a calm state to yourself so i think um you know making sure i'm ready and attentive but then also i didn't get too low or too high i think that was something i tried to pay a little bit more attention to especially as the season went on so um those are probably the two biggest things you know just knowing myself what i probably needed to focus on the most 
yeah, there's two really good insights that Drew just gave. One is when you are on the sideline and you're trying not to get cold as a faceoff guy, some guys will sit there on their knee and just clamp by themselves over and over again. And I take a similar approach that you took where I just walk around. I want to be in the game. I want to be on the sideline with my teammates. I want to be watching what they're doing. And then, you know, if I haven't been in for a while, right before I go out there, maybe I'll just kind of warm up for like one or two reps and then go out there. Because you're right, you're just kind of wasting energy. And PLL games are fast and furious, man. And you don't have energy to waste. So, you know, that's really important. And the the other part of it is trying not to get too high or too low. And I know our position is super emotional. And I think our struggle all the time is to try to be analytical and not emotional. And when you're focusing on what you need to do, uh, technique-wise, and when you're looking at the referees, it helps you a lot more to stay at that even state. And people might say, well, you know, what's Drew mean when an official is taking two steps back? So by cadence, the referee, the ball's already down in a PLL game. And if you don't understand the rule differentiation between uh, PLL and NCAA, then just go to episode zero where we break it down for you. But the, the ref physically puts his hand over the sticks and says, set. That means you can't move. Then he backs out and then he blows the whistle. So what Drew's talking about is every ref has a cadence. How many steps is he going to step back before he blows that whistle? And it's important to understand that because if you have an official that has a super fast whistle, you're going to get smoked if you're waiting for it. Or on the other side of it, if you go too early, you'll get called for a false start. So it's important to watch that. And some people might say, oh, I don't like that. Like, I don't, that's gamesmanship. I don't really like that. Oh, yeah, you don't think an attackman or a defender is watching how rough referees let you play offense or defense, and then they adjust themselves accordingly. They talk about it all the time in lacrosse. So, you know, that's nothing different for faceoff guys as it is for any other position. So when we look at the championship series matchups, archers, okay, another two-headed monster. I'm really excited to watch that matchup. You got Bones Kelly, Brendan Fowler, two of the most athletic guys in the league, uh, versus you and Jake. When you look at that, that was actually one of your best matchups last year. You were actually 78% against the Archers last year on clamp percentage, meaning that you got to the ball and redirected it first. You were 64% overall on faceoffs. And that's, you know, people say, what's the difference? 64% of the time when you faced off your team won possession of the ball. And the reason there's this discrepancy is what we've been talking about all along when people mention Bones and they mention Fowler, their ability to not worry about winning clamps, but affecting your exits. So this time around, when you look at that as one of your main matchups, what's your game plan against that two-headed monster? Um, I mean, obviously, like you said, they're both super athletic. You know, obviously, no matter who you're going against, my opinion is you have to control the ball. Um, So that obviously is the first thing that's going into my mind. And then the second thing is I got to keep my exit super fast and super crisp. Um, Obviously, there's not much room for error, right? Um, If I fumble on a GB or if I redirect it and it hits a stick or my foot, you know, that's just more opportunities for them to get the ball back. So um, definitely being quick to establish myself over the ball. Number one, number two is just get to space and make sure that it's short, sweet and I can catch it and make sure that I can get it in my stick. Um, obviously those two guys, especially with bones, he likes to switch it up a lot. Uh, he referenced, uh, his quick rake. He did a couple of times, I think against Nardella. And then obviously, you know, Brendan is coming back this year, I think probably stronger than ever knowing a, a guy that kind of sat out the first half of the season and then got his licks in, in the second half. I think that he's coming back, you know, ready to rock and roll. So, uh, I know that he'll have a much better start to this season than last. So, uh, um, you know, with him, I'm kind of expecting somewhat of the same, you know, as far as, you know, super 
athletic. He's going to chase me down all over the field. So make sure I got good stick protection there. Um, obviously I'll have to probably do a little bit of something unique with my wing play, depending on, uh, the situation, but, um, you know, those two guys are definitely going to give a, uh, a good look as far as, uh, how good my feet are and how well I've been running. So, you know, those are two things I'm going to have to make sure I really focus on. Yeah. Playing at a little bit of elevation in a sprint format, everybody's arming up. You can tell everybody's training on Instagram. It's, uh, it's been quite a, a, a thing to see. So when we look at your Atlas matchup, it's not really a great sample size. You only took 11 faceoffs against Atlas last year. You were 27%. What are you looking forward to this time around? Um, I have just myself, my overall performance. Uh, I have really kind of sat back and looked more so at what I was doing last season. And I found a lot of, you know, little tiny things, you know, as far as, um, you know, my personal stance and where I was, you know, placing my, my weight and how I was moving my feet and, you know, a lot of things that I needed to correct. And I've really taken that and ran with it as far as, um, this training for the summer goes. So, you know, I'm excited at least just to be a little bit more, uh, ready and hopefully I can, you know, even out those numbers a little bit. Obviously Trevor is, is, you know, one of the best and, you know, he's always, he's always ready. So, you know, uh, making sure that I am on the whistle, making sure that I can contest, um, GBs is going to be big. And, um, obviously I want to make sure that I'm 50, 50 as best as I can. So, um, hopefully this season I can kind of even the playing field there and hopefully I can correct all those mistakes that I, I noticed I had last season. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, Drew's been studying the film and I think you're right. Like when we look at the professional game and the PLL, you have the best face-off guys in the world and you know, that three for 11 against the Atlas could have been completely the opposite, whether a ball ricochets an inch different, or if you get a quarter of an inch more of the ball, people forget you have the fastest guys on the whistle in the world. And we're lined up two inches from each other. Right. <laughs> it's not a really large margin of error. And then you incorporate the fact the wings are a yard closer than in the NCAA. So it's a massive difference. So these two matchups are really cool. I really want to discuss with you because I'm, I'm excited for this. So you get to go against the Chrome. You're going to get uh, to go against Connor. You've gone against him in practice and in training camp. And now you kind of get to stick it to your old team a little bit. And they don't have Joel on the wing. So Joel White will not be participating for the Chrome in the championship series. Right. What goes through your mind, both mentally and just emotionally, when you get ready for that game? Um, I mean, it's kind of like bittersweet because a lot of those guys um, up until this season were a lot I've been playing with for most of my career. Um in the professional ranks. So, um, you know, obviously there's, there's, for me, it's not too much of like, I got to stick it to them. Um, but at the same point is, you know, I definitely want to redeem myself a little bit, obviously. Um, Connor's a great face-off guy. He's a good, he's a good person. So, you know, there's no, there's no bad blood as far as that goes, but obviously, you know, him taking my starting spot and, and running with it kind of, you know, leaves me, leaves a little sour taste in my mouth. So, um, you know, just being able to, you know, go out there and, and make sure I compete is going to be the biggest thing. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm on a different team now, so there's no, you know, there's no bad blood as far as that's concerned. I'm not trying to get my old spot back on my old team, but, you know, obviously doing well would, you know, kind of solidify a little positive, you know, as far as last summer goes, just cause it was not a highlight of my career, as I'd say. So, um, so yeah, more, more or less just looking to redeem my, my last season's performance is probably the biggest thing I'm looking forward to in that matchup. 
Yeah. And, you know, you said there's no animosity or anything like that. And and it's true. I mean, when people think about the PLL face-off guys, people always ask me, like, you guys talk smack out there. And I'm like, no, because we all know that we're all getting put through a blender for our teams. And we're all we all respect each other immensely. So it's almost like when you watch that documentary, The Last Stand with Michael Jordan and how he would like almost make things up in his mind to motivate himself. I think that's what we have to do a lot of times because we all respect each other. We all know each other off the field. We all like each other. Uh, but to get your that mental edge, to get through those extra reps in training and to like have that adrenaline rush in a game, you almost have to like kind of make things up and make them bigger deals than they really are. For sure. Uh, so you're ready to go. Because if you're not ready to go, any guy in the league can put you, you know, put you down. And TK and I talked about it during his interview where no matter how good we are, we always feel like we're one bad game away from not playing again. And right. I think that's the harsh reality of a face-off man in the pros. Yeah, so when we speak about TK, speaking of him, uh, last year against him, you were 8 for 21. And he had talked about how in the professional ranks up until last year, like you really, you really had his number. You always did very well against him, and he was training and preparing for that. You know, what's the bounce back feel for you? What do you feel like you needed to do better than you did last time around with him? Oh, I, I had a feeling that TK was going to come into that game hot and he did not, he did not uh, let me down. <laughs> so, uh, um, I mean, he was, he was on it, man. Like he was on almost every single whistle. I mean, he, he was heavy. So uh, trying to get myself over the ball was almost impossible that game. I felt like I just kept going uh, around it. You know, I wasn't getting into the ball very well, um, not only with my hand, but my body. And I think he, he was able to edge me out, you know, based on everything that I was comfortable doing, you know, and I think I didn't, you know, anticipate him uh, making slight little changes with, you know, the direction of his clamp. And then even, you know, him taking a couple steps upfield, I was like, this is a new TK. This is a little different. Like he obviously worked on this. So um, me going into next year's matchup, obviously he alluded to the fact that he's, uh, he's lost, you know, some weight and he's, he's posted on Instagram a couple of times and, you know, kudos to him for, for kind of changing his mindset. I think that that's awesome of him to do, you know, especially, you know, at this point in his career kind of change up his mentality. So uh, I'm expecting, you know, him to be a little bit more agile. He said he's been working on his exits and I anticipate that he'll, uh, he'll be a little bit more of a, of a weapon as far as exiting the ball. So, you know, making sure that uh, I'm, I'm anticipating that TK is going to run a little bit more is, is kind of my game plan going in there. So I'm going to have to be a little bit more athletic than what I'm used to with him. Uh, might even have to use my wing plays, uh, use my wings a little bit more and, and kind of design a couple things to kind of trap him or, you know, get him to throw the ball away. So we'll, we'll kind of see. That's uh, it's going to be an interesting matchup for sure. Yeah. And what's so beautiful about PLL, I don't know if you felt this way, but last year I felt like I was able to use my wings as chess pieces more than I've ever been able to. Uh, not just because I was the old guy and I needed it, but also because in the PLL, the, the wings are closer and, and the field's shorter. So you're actually allowed to game plan uh, way in advance for putting someone in tough positions. And I, I agree with you, TK in the, half, in the second half of the season especially, he wasn't trying to pick the ball up off his knee. When we talk about exits, uh, what Drew had alluded to, exits is basically where you're going to redirect the ball to and where you're going to pop it out, so to speak. And what TK was doing was he was pro hopping. He would clamp that ball and then stomp his feet in the ground. And it gave him a boost when he exploded out of there and him being lighter. Sure. That's going to be a problem for guys this year. Now on a technical question, so people can understand, I know last year you talked about, you know, rotating on TK, you rotated on me. And that, that was always your MO in the professional ranks. You were, 
I would say you and Brendan Fowler are probably the two fastest guys around the ball. And the reason you would want to rotate for folks listening is you want to go clockwise around the ball and basically take your strong part of your plastic and stuff it into the ball. And that's near the throat of the head. The problem, though, in the PLL, and I know Joe Nardella alluded to this in our last uh, interview, was because he was rotating so quickly, he was giving up fast breaks last year. And with the ball lining up higher on the head of the sticks, the ball's closer to the scoop of the plastic. Did you feel like because of your fast rotation, that was a strength in the past? That was what was causing you some issues giving up fast breaks last year? Yeah, I think I think the biggest detriment to to my footwork is I pride myself on it a little bit. You know, obviously my clamp speed isn't the best in the league. And so I, with the ball being closer to the bottom of the throat, I was able to take my first two steps up field before most guys took their first. And that, that allowed me to kind of, you know, wedge my top rail under the plastic, their plastic a little bit more and gain more of an advantage um, versus, yeah, like you said, with the ball being three quarters of the way up, you know, on the stick, I think that kind of took away from my ability to gain that first advantage over the ball, right? My clamp definitely suffered, I think, or I'd meet, you know, my opponent in the middle, move my feet too fast and I'd pull right off of it. I think it was the second faceoff against you, Greg, you totally just, you, you didn't even move your feet. You just raked it right out of there. And I just gave it, you gave you everything. I think that was part of the thing that like I was kicking myself for was, you know, you just exposed the fact that I left the ball hanging right there and you just picked it right out. And then you went down and I, I think you might have passed it to, uh, I can't remember, was it Henningberg or whoever was on the point man for you guys and uh, just torched us. And I'm like, oh, God, all right, here we go. And then he did it again. And I was like, okay, this has got to change. So I think more so than not, um, you know, my footwork definitely just made my hand speed slower or it, you know, just didn't help me. It kind of hindered me in that aspect of things. So, so yeah, that's definitely something hopefully I, I have improved on in, in this offseason. Yeah, and that's a, a great assessment, and that's why I'm so excited about this second year when everyone's played a year with these rules and now they're prepared to see the style tweaks, to see the differences and where people have been doing their training. And I know, you know, Drew is a very humble person, and he's self-deprecating here. Do not believe a word he says when he said his hand speed isn't there. You can see it on NBC. The dude's got lightning-fast hand speed. Um, and then, like, you know, so when we look at these, we go down the list here, now we're looking at – your wing play. And this has been a huge theme in what we've been discussing. When we talked to the other faceoff guys in the league, everyone's like, how did the water dogs accrue essentially almost the best, the best wing guy from every team and get them all in the same squad. When you look at some of the numbers that jump off of the page here, you have Noah Richard who had 13 ground balls last year off the wing for the Atlas fourth, most of the PLL Kyle McClancy had seven GBs. Brody Merrill is Brody Merrill. And I still have PTSD from playing against Brody Merrill over the years because I feel like he has omnipresence. Uh, he's everywhere. He, uh, he plays close defense, but he also plays on the wing. And he has incredible rapport with you, uh, I mean, with Jake. And he knows how to play his position so well. What are you looking forward to? Because I know you had said that you want to use your wings maybe a little bit more this time around. But when you look at the list of the names you have at your disposal, what, what really jumps out at you? Um, I mean, when you just look at it, we have like the perfect mix of athleticism and and skill, right? Like you said, I mean, um, you know, we have a good group of, of young guys. We got Jake, myself, obviously Brody Merrill, uh, you know, 
who knows, you know, he's mostly a close defenseman, but if he has to take, you know, reps up top, you know, obviously he's more than more than willing and capable to completely disrupt other faceoff guys and schemes. And, uh, you know, I think with us being this athletic and uh, us having, you know, the water dogs mindset, I think, you know, this is something that we can totally capitalize on. And, um, you know, something that I didn't do as good of a job as I could have last year was, you know, use my wing play or I could use my wings and I could put them in different places specifically. And that's one thing I didn't do as much as I have in the past. So uh, one thing I would like to do is, like I um, alluded to, would be definitely get on a good page with them at, you know, at training camp when we first get out to Utah um, and, you know, talk about their consistencies, what they like, what they look for. So that way, when it comes to a game time this, uh, decision and I need to, you know, throw the ball to my right or my left or I need to turn around, you know, knowing that, that my guy's going to be there uh, or even just putting it to a spot. So. Um, I think, you know, athletically, you know, this goes for every team, but, you know, one thing I'm excited for specifically is just having the, the, the athleticism and kind of that two way, two way mind uh, mindset that, you know, whether it is a McClancy or, you know, Brody or whoever that they can pick the ball up and go down and, and uh, you know, at least be a, a contender or at least, um, you know, give a couple good looks on offense. So, you know, I'm excited for, for both aspects of those things. Yeah, not just you and Jake, but that entire Water Dogs team that Coach Copeland's put together is really impressive. You guys are going to compete right away. I love it. Um, you know, and I got to tell people at home just so you understand, like, I have so much respect for Drew. You go about your job. You do it the right way. You're a hell of a coach as well. Just so you guys know, a huge deal in development with TD Erlen, who is, you know, widely considered the best NCAA faceoff guy uh, statistically in history. You understand this position, and I'm really excited for you to finally get back out there and get the reps you deserve because I don't think last season did you justice, and I know you're hungry. And I think you said water dogs mentality I think really fits you perfectly. So I wanted to thank you a lot for meeting me at the Stripe today, and I wish you the best of luck in the championship series, man. Thanks, Greg. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for the kind words. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm equally as excited to, uh, to kind of make my, my redemption tour uh, to 2020. Amen. Redemption tour. Here we go. That's all we have for this episode of The Stripe. Thank you for tuning in and special thanks to Jake and Drew for joining me here today. When we return to our next episode, we will be breaking down each team's face-off strategy and training camp, and we'll be giving you guys a cool preview. You don't want to miss that. Be sure to subscribe to The Stripe on Apple, Spotify, anywhere you listen to your podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review so we can keep this party going. Once again, I'm your host, Greg Garenlian. You can follow me at GregBeast32 on Twitter and Instagram. Can't wait to meet you next time on The Strike.